1 Samuel 17. I'm going to read the first three verses. Amen. If you got it, say, I got it. Wow. Let's just wait a minute then. Because if you don't have it, it's on the screen, but hopefully you got a Bible. <laughs> 1 Samuel 17, verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle. They were gathered together at Shucho, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Azekah in Ephes Damam. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched in the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side. And it's almost as if God states the obvious. And there was a valley between them. It's like, really? But it's what happens when there's two mountains, right? Well, for just a little bit of your time, I'm going to preach on this thought, slaying your giants. Lord Jesus, you have anointed me for the edification of your people, not the destruction of them, but you have anointed me for the destruction of the enemy and his lies. Do so in this second half, we pray in Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be seated. And P.S., Lord, I'll pray like Jeff Arnold. Help me to do a great job real fast. In this well-known account in Scripture, David refers to Goliath as this uncircumcised Philistine. He emphasizes the reality that Goliath is not in covenant with God. Goliath is from Gath, a Philistine city that should have been defeated by the tribe of Judah years earlier. If you read Joshua 1, you'll see that God chose Judah to lead Israel after the death of Joshua. They were to trust God's covenant promises and to conquer their appointed territories. But Judah, God's chosen leaders, faltered in faith, defeating only three of the Philistine cities in its territory. One of the cities they allowed to remain was Gath. And now Gath, in the form of this uncircumcised Philistine named Goliath, have come back to trouble Israel. But... On the horizon steps a young boy from the tribe of Judah to do what his tribe should have done years earlier. David will now lead his tribe and he prefigures the eventual lion of Judah who will rule and reign forevermore. But I want to talk to you for just a minute about some things that David had to overcome in order to slay his giant I want to also tell you that this coming Wednesday night and through the month of April, there's a special series I've asked my wife to help with, and she's going to kick it off this Wednesday night, and I'm going to be sharing some things throughout the month about how you can slay your giants in your life. And I felt the Holy Ghost a few months ago lead me to preach this message this morning to you, and so here it is. David overcame family obstacles. The Bible says that when Samuel came to anoint David, which he didn't know it was David at the time, he just knew it was one of Jesse's sons, that Jesse had only gathered together six of his seven sons. He had not even called David to the anointing, to that time with the prophet. In fact, the Bible in the King James calls him ruddy, R-U-D-D-Y, which means less than desirable indicating that Jesse thought his seventh son was less than desirable. 
In fact, when the prophet Samuel said, do you have any more sons? It's as if Jesse all of a sudden has a, a brain cramp moment. Oh, yeah, well, you know, David, I mean, I didn't, didn't think it'd be him. And Jesse acted as if he had forgotten. So David had to overcome the giants of not feeling loved, not being validated, and being neglected by his own father. Any one of these could have hindered him from fulfilling God's calling, but somehow this young shepherd boy overcame them. I believe that he had a heart for God, a heart that was pray, filled with praise and worship. And while tending the sheep, I believe that this helped him to overcome these potential emotional giants in his life. And whatever he may or may not have felt the way his dad thought about him, David took it to God in prayer, writing some of the early psalms that we know of him in the book of Psalms and, and would pray and spend time with God and that soothed his mind. We do know that later in his life, life as he would play his harp that the evil spirits would leave Saul so I have to believe the same would work for him as he would begin to praise God and worship God and strum on that harp whatever might have been there emotionally of the way his father thought of him he did not let it consume him I'm talking about some things he had to do before he faced that giant Goliath David was then asked to take bread to and cheese to his brothers who were fighting in the battle. Again, a slight against him. All the other brothers can go, but not you. You're just you're only good enough to tend sheep. They, but his brothers also mistreated him. So it's not just his dad that thinks he's less than desirable, but now his brothers are calling his integrity into question. You lazy guy, what are you doing? What about the father's sheep? And, and you just, you, we know the naughtiness of your heart. You've just come to see a battle. David had to overcome some giants of incompetence, inferiority, insignificance, and feeling unwanted. And yet again, David turns to God and states the obvious. Is there not a cause? He knew his motives were pure. He knew he had protected his father's sheep, leaving them with a keeper, the Bible says. He had also protected those sheep from a lion and a bear when nobody was looking. Mm -hmm. David knew the integrity of his heart, and he knew this oversized, bellowing fool in the valley that was taunting the people against God and terrorizing them. Somebody had to stand up and act. But here he is, dad, brothers, any one of these could have set him back. Come on, I'm talking to somebody this morning. That, that your father, your actual earthly father may have said things about you. Family members might have said stuff about you. And unfortunately, if we're not careful, as I talked in the first half, we'll let those dendrites grow in our brain and we'll, realize, we'll, we'll think that we're not worthy or not good enough or whatever it might be. Can I tell you that is a wilderness mindset? Can I tell you that's a marching around in circles mindset? But God has called us into a promised land. God has called us into abundance. God has called us into a shift. And it's time to shift the way we think. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you weren't here Wednesday night, I said it. I'm going to say it again. Royalty thinks differently. Some of you remember that story. The, the PGA golfer, Prince in Saudi Arabia has him come, right? He asked him, 
He wants to give him something. Give me a golf club. He's thinking like a three iron, gold plated. No, he gets a deed to a golf club. <laughs> because a king, royalty, thinks differently. We need to think differently. Well, David's not done overcoming obstacles. Because after he finally gets an audience with the king, and whatever might have been there from father and brothers, he now has another round of obstacles because Saul thinks he's powerless. Oh, you're just a youth. You're a nobody. Invalidating him. Almost mocking. Oh, yeah, right. Lion and bear. Okay. Mm -hmm. who, who was there to witness it, David? Really? You, you killed a lion and bear? Sure, you did. You know who this guy is? This is the Goliath undefeated champion. He's been a warrior from his youth up. You don't even have armor. Poor leadership. But when he finally decides to let David go and fight, he then tries to put his armor on him. Now, the Bible tells us something interesting about Saul. It says he was head and shoulders above all men. That means physically he was taller and broader than all men. Okay. I need to, I need to, I need to show you this. In, in, Landon, come here real quick. Hurry, come on, come on, come on. Hurry. Chop, chop. All right, so just stand right there. Okay, turn around. Okay. I'm a little bit broader. Not quite enough taller, but you got big shoes on. Okay, oh, I want you to watch this. Go ahead. Don't rip it, you'll be buying it. Wow. It don't fit, does it? David was about, thank you. That's, I just want people to see that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good job. Pray your leg gets better. Watch this. I mean, come on. What was wrong with David? I mean, Saul. You're bigger and taller. You really think your armor's going to fit? What's wrong with you? Again, invalidating David. Well, all I need is what I have. Oh, no, you need armor. He's overcoming poor leadership. By the way, the Bible says that because Saul feared the leader, the entire camp feared. Come on, some of you leaders in your home need to be careful because if you incite fear, guess what's going to happen to your children? Come on now. Pastor Kennedy, if you go down to Nebraska City and you are all afraid, guess what the saints are going to do? They're going to be afraid. Saul was afraid. Guess what the camp was? Afraid. Saul, physical presence, should have been the one to step onto that battlefield. He was not only physically broader and taller, he was also the anointed king. He should have stepped out there and said, you're talking about the armies of God. You're talking about the one true God. Bring it on, big boy, because God's about to take you down. But he didn't. He was afraid, hiding in his tent behind his guard. And of course, he's putting all this on to David. David had to overcome poor leadership. But all these obstacles placed before him, he overcomes it. He deals with any potential core fears and beliefs that could have set him back. And he reassures Saul, I don't need your armor. I just need what God has let me use, a, a sling and a stone. And I'll just go in the name of the Lord like I did against that lion and bear. 
But there's one more obstacle David has to overcome before he faces Goliath. The Bible says that he went by a brook and reached in and took out five smooth stones. Let me just say something. Smooth. The way a stone gets smooth is water has to run over it for a long time. In other words, victory had been in that valley for a long time, but nobody had stepped up to the plate to see victory achieved. Uh-huh. You see, we look at valleys in a way of, oh, no, it's bad. It's No, your valley is where your victory is. And so David stops, and it's, it's possible. I, I say possible because we don't know for sure, and I'm not trying to add to the story here. Please understand. But it's, it's potentially possible he might have saw his reflection or at least paused to reflect for one more moment of prayer before going out into that. And, and he picked up five smooth stones, put them in his pouch. And then the Bible says he hastened in the King James, which means he ran to meet the giant. He didn't uh, wait around. He, he didn't drag his feet. To, he ran to meet the giant. And it's worthy and noteworthy to realize he never called David a giant. Read 1 Samuel 17. You won't find anywhere where David called him a giant. But he did call him an uncircumcised Philistine. He did say, you're not in covenant with God. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how tall you are. I don't care how powerful your words may seem. I don't care how many foes you've defeated. You're not under covenant. Never called him a giant. Oh, hallelujah. And so... Can I say this to you today? That the core fear or belief that you've created in your mind is not from God. It, the core fear or belief, is not a part of God's covenant promise for you. So stop giving it place in your life. It's yelled and screamed and taunted way too long. It's time to call it what it is and destroy it in the name of Jesus. Now again, whether or not David did pause and see his reflection and whether or not he did pray might be debatable. But I can tell you this. We need to see ourselves the way God sees us. We need to understand who we are and the authority we have in Christ Jesus. Maybe some of us need to stop by the brook today and get some stones and say, I'm going to defeat this thing once and for all in my life. Can I tell you the way God sees us as ambassadors of Christ, ministers of reconciliation, royal priests, we're called, we're chosen, we're faithful, we're justified and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. Uh -huh. Lord have mercy. We need to sing it like we believe it. Say it like we believe it. God has sent me to this pulpit twice today to remind you about the same theme that you have to see yourself the way God sees you. You have to think of yourself the way God thinks of you. Mm. There's a giant. And he's waiting on you to knock him down. In other words, your victory is in your valley. God didn't have to say there was a valley between them. It's obvious. If there's a mountain here and a mountain here, of course there's going to be a valley in between. But God put it in there to remind us our victory is in our valley. 
You know, when he ran onto the battlefield, David did not run on his own strength. Let me prove it. Verse 45 of the same chapter. Then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. Listen to the boldness. He can be bold because he knows who he is in Christ. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And I got to believe that while he's saying it, he's slinging that stone. Now hear me. If you understand some of the history, you know that shepherds were good marksmen. They would practice. They would spend time setting cans up and or things up and knocking them down pieces of pottery knocking them down because it was how they protected their sheep and so I'm not trying to say that, that David wasn't skilled here he was but it wasn't his skill that knocked a giant down oh come on he was prepared he had overcome some obstacles some obstacles of his father not believing him his brothers not believing in him amen his leadership not believing in him but there was one thing he knew they may not believe in me but God believes in me. And he walked out, or excuse me, ran out, slinging that stone. Amen. And I believe God helped guide it to, to its mark, knocking the giant down. Can I tell you, David didn't personalize the taunts of, of Goliath. He didn't personalize the core fears of his father. But like an ambassador, he realized they're talking about a higher authority than me. Hallelujah. Not only this, but David's faith was contagious. Remember I said how Saul incited fear and the whole camp was in fear? Well, the opposite's true with David. When they see him run over and cut off Goliath's head, and I'm not trying to be gross, but that's what happened, and he probably picked it up. Amen. When the, when the armies of Israel saw that, all the sudden courage began to rise up within them. Fear began to fill the hearts of the Philistines, and they routed them that day. In fact, if you were to read 1 Chronicles 20, you'll find that later in life, ordinary servants became giant killers. Oh. Hey, Liam, can you come here real quick? It's one thing. Come here. Come up here with me real quick. Good thing I didn't put my coat on you, right? You want to try it on? It ain't going to fit. I want you to, I want you to listen to what I'm talking about, Okay. What am I about to say? Please let me just say it and, and, and don't prejudge me or postjudge me. Okay, ready? God's used me. I've preached many countries, seen many miracles take place. Okay? Uh, you know, God's, I, I don't always like it, but they're, they're, you know, a lot of people know who I am, and I'm not saying it to boast. Please understand what I'm saying. Okay? Just like we know a lot about David, right? But if I said Liam, not a, or this church would know him. But probably half the people watching online may not. I don't know that anybody in the district really knows him except maybe some of those close friends of the Kirkpatricks. Of course, the Bible quizzing community knows him. But watch this. Today, he comes over and he says, Pastor, I prayed for a friend at the, at the rally Friday night. And, and he couldn't move his hand, but God healed him and he could move it. I said, well, do you feel to go pray for somebody? He says, yeah, I do. Watch this. 
because David was courageous. Ordinary people became giant killers. Liam ain't licensed. He ain't got a preacher's, you know, car. He, he ain't been to Bible college yet, but God can you, oh, come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Ordinary people can become giant killers if you'll get a hold of what I'm saying today, if you'll get a hold of the faith that I'm preaching to you today. Thank you, son. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. Watch this, watch this. Something else happened in the valley of Elah that day. 1 Samuel 17, verse 50. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him, and there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. I like that, dead and fled. They love it when the Bible rhymes like that. <laughs> Could be a rap, right? You know. Anyway, never mind. I'm not going to, Kennedy, you can rap it because you, you're a rapper, but you know. Anyway, verse 52, and the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted, see the contagious, all of a sudden victory. They pursued the Philistines until they came to the valley into the gates of Ekron. Look how far they pursued them, right? And they wounded of the Philistines, fell down by the way to Shariam, even unto Gath, even unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines and they spoiled their tents. In other words, they took the spoil that was with them. But watch the next verse. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. But he put the armor in his tent. Let me first just say this. I don't expect you to just knock your giant down today. You need to kill it today. Cut the head off of that thing. And, 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 and as I said in the first half, let me bring it back around. That, that dendrite, that tree that's growing, that I'm not good enough, I'm this, I'm that. Cut it down, de-stump that thing, get it out, get its roots destroyed, and plant the tree of life in its place. Make sense? Don't, don't just cut it down. Ask Brother Sam, ask Brother Isaac about a tree over in Bellevue that, that the, the, the owner said, oh, just you know, leave the stump. Oh, they left the stump, and it's grown back up again now. <laughs> Why? Because the stump's still connected to the roots. Mm. Some of you men might remember the work day where we cut these two trees down over here. Boy, wasn't that fun with that, that stump machine? Man, that was fun. <laughs> That was a black, we were making mulch, it was, but you know, I want you to think about, it. that's what you got to do. You get the Holy Ghost de-stumper out today and kill the roots in that thing. Destroy it. But take home some spoils of war. He buried the head in Jerusalem, but he took the armor back to his tent. I'm keeping something as a reminder of the victory today. Maybe that's you journaling it. Maybe it's you writing the date today. You know, April 3rd, amen, second half, uh, victory in Jesus, whatever it might be, putting it in your Bible, highlighting a verse, uh, amen, whatever it is, uh, walk out of here today with, with a tangible thing that says, I've got victory. What he did was he cut the head off. That's uh, where the mind is, right? <laughs> he prevailed and was victorious. And the place that he buried this head... Rabbis and scholars believe uh, it's called the place of the skull. In fact, Golgotha is a way of saying Goliath of Gath. Isn't it interesting? That's the very place Jesus was crucified. 
on the place of the skull. The battlefield of the mind as you taught and preached last week, Pastor Trevor. Come on, we've got to take those thoughts captive. And we need to bury some thoughts today at Mount Calvary where the blood of Jesus was spilt out and say, okay, it's forever dead here. I am who the I am says I am. Listen, if God would have wanted Esther or Ruth or Mary, He would have called them. But Caitlin, Avery, He called you for this day and said, I want you in the 21st century. If He would have wanted the Apostle Paul, He could have called him. But He said, no, I need a Pastor Kennedy. I need a Brother Wes. That's who He called for this hour. It's time for us to think like the King thinks. It's time for us to have a shift in the way we're thinking and understand who we are in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can destroy your core fears and beliefs that have taunted you in your valley through the strength of Jesus Christ. You can knock them all down and cut their heads off once and for all, burying it today and taking home a spoil of war. David, I want you to catch this. He couldn't change his father. He couldn't change his brothers. He couldn't change Saul. He couldn't even change Goliath. But you know who he could change? Dad might think I'm less than desirable. My brothers might think I have naughtiness in my heart. Saul might think I'm unworthy and unfit to fight. But God has called me. God has called me. Oh, I wish somebody would get that today. If you're a leader watching this, listening to this, or sitting in this room, please don't be like Saul. Listen, I want more Liam's to rise up. I want more Avery's and Caitlin's to rise up. I want more people of God to rise up and walk in the authority and anointing they are. Megan, I saw you up here praying for your girls. I see them up here almost every Sunday worshiping, leading in worship. Come on. That's what it's all about. Mm. Mm. So watch this. He couldn't change any of that, right? He could change himself. In other words, you can't change where you came from. But you can change where you're going. Some of you know the backstory of my own life. I won't go into it, but you know some of the things I've gone through from my own earthly father. I can't change where I came from, but I can change where I'm going. My wife posted a picture the other day, and, and it was this one generation holding a shield, blocking the, the, the bad things being said from their father and grandfather, and, and how they changed to the next generation. I mean, I can't change where I came from, but I can change where I'm going. Hear me. Some of you have a past, and, and it might involve drugs, and it might involve alcohol, and it might involve illicit sex, and bondage to sin, amen. Come on, backsliding and rebellion, but that's not who you are. Oh, hallelujah. Hear me. I, I got to tell you this. The Holy Ghost is, is dealing with me. You got to watch this. Uh, when, when Rachel gives birth uh, to her second son, she is about to die in childbirth. And, and we don't know all the reasons why and the medical uh, background, but, but she will die. And before she dies, they ask her, what is his name? And she says, name him Ben-Onai, which means son of my sorrow. 
Listen, your past wants to name you the son of sorrow. Your past wants to say you're unworthy. Amen. There's some core fears and beliefs that want to cause you to feel like you'll never become anything. You're just a son or a daughter of sorrow. But when Jacob entered into the tent and he heard the bad news of Rachel and grieved for that moment, he asked what the boy's name was. And he says, oh, no, 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 no. He will not be Benoni. Instead, his name is Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Can I tell somebody you are who your father says you are? Your past wants to label you. Your past wants to say you're nothing but sorrow. You're nothing but evil. But your present in Jesus and your future in His Word, amen, calls you righteous, calls you forgiven, calls you an ambassador. Hallelujah. 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 I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I want the praise team to come and get ready to sing that song. As they're coming, I ask permission from my wife to share this story. Are you singing, babe, with him? No? Well, I want you to come here. You're playing? Okay, well, you need to go play then. <laughs> I was going to have you come stand with me, but you need to play. I get it. I'll come stand over by you. I think it was just prior to our getting married a little over 28 years ago. 29 this year. Uh, but anyway, Sister Stoops said, come to me and just giving me a heart-to-heart talk one day. Our pastor's wife there in Maine. And she said, Shannon, she's got some bad self-esteem. And, and I, I, I think I'd said something about how awesome she was. And Shannon had not received it or whatever. And so she was telling me she's, she's dealt with some things. She's got some bad self-esteem. And something rose up in me. Now, again, I'm 20 years old and I've got the world figured out. and Smarter than you know, 13 other people. You know what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe a little arrogant. Maybe a little arrogant. But, but, I, but I put within my heart, Sister Alicia, that, you know, no, not my wife. She's beautiful. She's awesome. She's called of God. She's a daughter of the King. And, and, and although, Brother Matt, she's not, she, she's the furthest thing from arrogant today. But she's confident today. Oh, she still struggles a little bit here and there, but, but <laughs> dare you to ask her some of her scores that she's made on some of these classes and aced her exit exam, whatever that's called at Liberty on the first try and aced her, you know, and I, and I know I'm embarrassing her right now, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying this to you to get you to understand something. If we can understand it in the natural, a husband loving his wife and telling her she's awesome and you're this and you're a great mom and you're a great wife can begin to shift the atmosphere. How much more we begin to shift the atmosphere when we apply this to our thoughts. The enemy wants us to believe we're unworthy. The enemy wants us to believe we'll never accomplish anything. This church will never grow. You'll never blah, blah, blah. Wait a minute, devil. Hold on. Let's bring that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Let's, let's align that thought with the word. What does God say about me? 
we can understand it in the natural if she can help people in therapy begin to recognize through just thought therapy through cognitive behavioral therapy she can apply some of the principles of scripture and people can walk out of that counseling session feeling better and overcoming how much more can we with the anointing of the Holy Ghost begin to say wait a minute I'm not a failure I'm not who I used to be I am who I am in Christ I like how Paul said it. I'm not all I yet will be. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm forgetting those things which are behind. I'm pressing forth and reaching for those things which are before. That's what we need to do today. I wonder how many is ready to slay your giant. How many is ready to, to look that core fear, that core belief, and say, not again, never again are you going to plague me. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. Hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together. Come on, begin to praise in just a moment. Here, listen to me. Here's what we're going to do. Okay? I know this, it may sound like we need to do a little bit of repenting first and all that, but I think we've already done that. There were some beautiful songs going on, amen, during the praise and, and worship the part of our service, amen. This is a time to start praising. Praising is the battle. Praising is the war. Amen, it's time to start praising for the victory. Just as David ran onto the battlefield, don't delay, don't wait. Get up on your feet, get out in the aisle, get out in the altar and begin to praise Him and say, today's the day. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. Come on, sing a praise team.